and boom goes the dynamite. And welcome to episode 44 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, uh, you're on the road, right? I am. Well, kind of. So I'm I'm moving this weekend. It's, it's move time, so none of my audio equipment is set up, and we are doing this one via mobile device. Via, uh, via the my, phone. My but yes, we're doing it from the phone. I've had, why I I've had to so do that. I've had to do that. Yeah, I've had to do that before myself. So it, it does happen. Um, so I'm 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 banned from using my audio equipment. I'm banned from Twitter. Uh, nobody wants to hear from me, but I will not be silenced. I will not be <laughs> shadow banned. How did how did you, you not take away my free speech? What did you do now? Um, I told a guy that his Nazi grandpa should have been shot, and I do not regret it. Okay then. <laughs> I mean. <you> know. <laughs> There was a there was a tweet going around. Uh, you probably saw it where some guy was like, my grandfather fought the Soviets and told me to never trust a Russian. He said, no, he said, my grandfather fought USSR in World War Two. And he said, never trust a Russian. So um, I told him, hey, man, sorry that your grandpa was a POW. They should have just put a bullet in his bitch ass Nazi head. Have a great day. Uh, yeah, that checks out. So. And uh, I still agree with that, so uh, hopefully um, I will be able to get back into my Twitter account uh, soon. All right, well, let us know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get – now, we did not have a Monday night for a wrestling show. <clears throat> I mean, No, we a, did not. I, I mean, for e AEW, I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, was, uh, is there a different one? Or Allegedly. I know, I know the virtual pros guys, I know they do uh, – they do a stream oh, yeah, on yeah, Twitch. Yeah. You know, that that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Effie's Monday Not Raw on Twitch, a great show uh, to see in wrestling. Uh, but, yeah, th other than that, yeah, I don't think there is any other uh, wrestling going on on Monday nights. Uh, did you watch Dark this week? I did not. Again, this uh, the move chaos. I, I drove to uh, Chicago from Georgia very early Wednesday morning. Uh, so I've been here in Chicago since Wednesday uh getting my affairs wrapped up and i will be back in georgia uh by next week and uh should I be all set up and ready to go for any future podcasts uh moving forward all right well i guess in that case let's move on to aew dynamite episode 44 so let's let, we should probably tell our listeners that this time this this episode is going to be a little bit different because again due to the chaos i did not see large chunks of this show so a lot of this podcast will just be Jeff explaining what happened on Dynamite to me and seeing how I react to it. Uh, and that's that's how we're going to do it. And I, I hope everyone likes it. And if they don't, well, <laughs> them's the breaks. And with that, we go live to Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida for episode 44 of AEW Dynamite with your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Chris Jericho on commentary Chris this Jer week. Le commentator -ion. And limited amount of actual paying ticketed fans in the audience. Yes, uh, it did, did make a difference in crowd noise from the, the small things I heard. So I didn't see a whole lot of crowd shots. What did you think of the crowd being active? How did you feel about it? Um, you know, I, they really did have a very limited amount of, of people. There were still quite a number of empty seats in that place. 
Um, Good. But that being said, I mean, it, from from the limited shots that they showed um, uh, on the show, it looks like, yes, they, they did enforce mask wearing, and they were spacing, you know, uh, uh, you know, obviously they there were, you know, pods of, of folk who probably all came together. But, right, know, they, I know they were only selling. See, they weren't selling uh, uh, like people like uh, so. Like if you were buying tickets, I think it was up to four, and you'd sit in a pod, you know, like a pod. Yeah, something like that. Up so, so they did. There was a little bit of that, but um, you know, overall, I, I guess it worked. And there were some, uh, and, and you know, that they, they, they did play to the crowd, which is good, as we'll get into. But um, you know, let, let's uh, let's start us uh, right off with. Uh, a tag team gauntlet match for the number one contendership for uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega's AEW World Tag Team Championships uh, to be to be decided at All Out this coming Saturday. Uh, we start off with uh, the Young Bucks against the Natural Nightmares, and uh, this went about as well as you can expect. Uh, you know, QT. Marshall, you know, they're trying to sell him uh, as being really, really valiant. But, of course, the Bucks are going to win this one, you know, the, the, this at least this part of the gauntlet match. So this is why I, I was under the impression last week that FTR was going to start it and run this gauntlet, and that was not the case, huh? No, it was not, it, because the Bucks were the number four rank, Natural Nightmares number three rank. So they did this by ranking. Yes, ah, yes, they okay. did. That's interesting. I yes. kind of like that. That's kind of, yeah. you know, if they want to do this, like, sports feel that they want to do, like, with their rankings and with the wins and losses mattering more and this and that, uh, using a seating for these kind of things, I think, works. Um, so, of course, the, the, the Bucks go over the natural nightmares. That brings out the best friends against the Young Bucks, which we've seen this match before. Uh, we have. A, a couple of times. You know, in various spots. Uh, the biggest talking point of this one is that Adam Page fucked over the Young Bucks. Is that when it happened? So I know and it happened. It, because, and like, and I did not see this happened. match, but I did see a later segment. That's and when so I wanted. I was excited to hear about this. So tell me about Adam Page uh, uh, making the turn on the Young Bucks. Uh, Adam Page uh, basically held back one of the Young Bucks from making a save. Oh, interesting way yeah. to do it. Okay. And you know what? Uh, I, I have some feelings about this because I, as far as I'm concerned, this makes Adam Page the biggest face in the company. It's huge. Um, and I think a lot of the, you know, the online fans like us probably agree with you. And I think there's still AEW is interesting and their fan base is interesting, right? Like if this were a traditional, you know, uh, uh, the other guys type situation, you know, this would be presented as like straight heel work. But we know, and we've talked about this before, AEW is not interested in that. And they're interested in people kind of forming their own who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. And I think you're right. I think this is going to help Adam Page get even more over if that's, you know, and he seems to be getting more and more over with this character. And the way they're paying up the storylines really working. Well, we'll we'll talk about this uh, in greater detail later in the show. Uh, We will. Because it will come up again with... So with that, FTR comes out uh, to fight to wrestle against best friends, and uh, yeah, and uh, lo and behold, did you wait? Did you say yeah? I said yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. And uh, there. so there you have it. And uh, lo, lo and behold, FTR, the 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 faded team, goes over best friends to uh, become the the actual number one contenders for. 
I gotta say the 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 Tully Blanchard thing with them is getting more and more comfortable with me, like by, by the week, and it seems to be working better and better. And I'm really into them having Tully Blanchard as like their manager advocate guy. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, it's working I, I, a lot better than it did for uh, Sean Spears. Mm-hmm. No, you can say say his name. Fuck him. You know, Sean Spears. We 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 we, we think he's a he was a, one of the uh, one of the buyer's remorse guys. So you know. <laughs> I mean, he is a perfect 10. And, like, look, so I kind of – I have a soft spot for Sean Spears because I remember because going big, to – Because you're a big sap? Well, that's one thing. True, yes. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is I went to an NXT house show in, like, 2015 when he was still working on that character and hadn't even been on television yet. And he was doing it, and he had, like, these little just, like – he had just regular 8 by 11 pieces of paper with the number 10 printed on it. And he wrestled um, – like Baron Corbin or somebody that was, you know, not a big deal at that time. Or, you know, oh, one of those guys who got, who's cut by now, I think, uh, Tino Sabatelli or one of them type dudes, whatever. And, uh, he was doing the 10 thing. And I remember being in the crowd being like, oh, this is going to get way over. This is so cool. What a great idea. How fun. And it did. And I kind of followed the whole, the perfect 10 thing I thought was great. It was a lot of fun. And I thought he did a good job at it. So like, I don't hate Sean Spears, but yes, most of his work has been a bit of a dud in AEW, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, in AEW, uh, yeah. After the, I mean, he failed to capitalize on the whole busting Cody Rhodes the fuck open thing, and then yeah, and that was a huge moment in like in AEW history. It's going to be a big moment in AEW lore, but it would have been bigger had they been able to continue fi- finding a place for this character, and they just really haven't. No, no, they have not. And they've just basically made him look like a complete geek the whole time. Now, way. There, is a, there is a redemption thing in here, and stick with me on this. Uh, FT, well, you know what? We'll say that. Let's, let's talk about that once we get to a different segment. Keep going. Okay, so from there, we go to a taped Darby Allen promo where uh, he is wearing a Ricky Starks mask and uh, takes an insane oh, and takes an insane skateboard uh, jump off of a high bridge. Um, <laughs> As Darby, as Darby Allen is wont to do, and we'll we'll say it again, like we said last week. Uh, put Darby Allen in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, yeah, I think they should. I, again, we, we we talked about this before. This is a marketing thing waiting to happen, and uh, yeah, let, got to do it. Let, let's make this happen. Make it happen. Our second match of the evening: uh, Lance Archer versus the debuting Sean Maluda. Now, I don't know Sean Maluda. I heard I saw him once in the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, I heard uh, he like nearly broke his damn neck against Kota Ibushi five minutes into the Cruiserweight Classic. Yes, but it was a super fun match. <laughs> I do remember. That's one of the matches I remember. Maluda is an Anoa'i, isn't he? Uh, I, I think I think he is. Connected I, to I, I, I believe he is. Yeah, he's like an Uso cousin of some sort, I believe. So, so they, which is amazing that he's working here then, because usually I mean, that, that that whole family seems to be, you know, have jobs oh, for yeah. life. But this was a squash by Archer, of course. Uh, this uh, brings about a Jake Roberts promo talking about the Casino Battle Royale that's going to be happening at All Out, saying how you know Archer's going to win the whole damn thing. Which okay. brings out Taz, big upping, you know Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, and I'm like, oh god, are we gonna have a Jake Roberts versus Taz promo battle? 
which that sounds great. That Let's sounds go. Great. It, it was awesome for a, for a couple of minutes, and then Darby Allen showed up and started whipping people's ass. He beat the shit out of Ricky Starks, including Wonderful. like Good. a dumping him on his head on the ramp. So you know what? You got to have you got to get receipts for these kind of beatdown segments. They're doing, and they've done a good job with that thus far. So yeah, so that that was a uh, that was a fun segment. Um, we then transition into a backstage bit with MJF in, in a full neck brace and a, and a walker, um, you know, getting <laughs> getting ready for his uh, for the big contract signing against uh, against one John Moxley, um, and that's you know it's just nothing really worth mentioning there. So we transition that to a video package. For Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa, and I gotta tell you, I am excited for this. I was excited. I did not see this promo. Can you give me a little, like, just a little rundown of uh, what was good about it? Um, it was, it, it was just, you know, it had some good footage of Thunder Rosa, both from, you know, the Indies and from the NWA. Fantastic. Um, it, 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 it had uh, some good recaps of Hikaru Shida so far since she's, you know, since before and after winning the title. Um, and then they cut to a uh, cut to a, a bit where they both just signed the contract, and then they both swore at each other in uh, their native languages. Fantastic! I love all of that. That's all sounds great. You know, Thunder Rose is somebody that you and I have seen a lot of in the Chicago independent scene and elsewhere. Um, an incredible talent who has needed to be on a bigger stage for quite a while, I think. Uh, so yeah, this is gonna rock, man. So uh, we come back. And we have the the big contract signing in the ring uh, for uh, for John Moxley versus MJF at All Out. Uh, of course, the the contract stipulation includes the banning of of uh, Paradigm Shift, Death Rider, Double Arm. Well, here's the so, you so I'm thinking it. about this. If if he can't do the Paradigm Shift, can he just do the Death Rider? <laughs> well, they did specify the Double Arm DDT, which is what Death Rider. So you just got you just got a single arm DDT in there. Well, that, yeah, he could do any DDT at that point. Yeah, he's got he's got to do a different DDT. Right, you do an even flow just for laughs, you know. Oh yeah, but, but the, the, you know th- th- this included a, a big long rant from MJF about how he is a professional wrestler and you know making references to how John Moxley worshipped the likes of the Sandman, New Jack, Zandig, and. <laughs> Katsushi Onita, which man, if you're gonna start dissing Onita, then it's on, man. I'm hey, that's sorry. hey. You want to be a heel in a in a community and in, in a in an audience where people are really into wrestling like that. Um, this is how you do it by talking shit about Onita. I mean, it worked for it worked. Here's but, the thing: MJF is like very grating in a lot of places, but like he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, so you can't just say like it's he's doing something and like in like fucking up or doing it wrong. Uh, he's, he wants people to hate him in a, in a, like, and you know, we talked about this in this, on this episode, like they don't do very traditional face heel stuff and AEW is not going to make him the heel. So he's making himself the bad guy as much as possible. And you know, I, I, I respect that on a level, but he also dissed, uh, Renee young, which come on, man, that's just not, that's just not on, (laughs) but I mean, wife disrespecting is like one of the oldest wrestling tricks in the book though. Oh, of course. But you know what I, I, I'm just thinking though is that he he keeps saying how how he's a professional wrestler. I'm think you know and and you don't professionally wrestle. And I'm thinking John Moxley had possibly the feud of the year so far with Minoru fucking Suzuki. Um, okay, dude. Right, but hey, I mean, if you want to bring that up and MJF talk shit on Suzuki, now you're really getting heel heat, brother. Oh yeah, well that. 
Well, you know what? Suzuki will just come and beat. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. There, I'm pretty sure MJF didn't do it because he knows Suzuki will just like appear behind him. Like, wait, how'd you even get here? Do you have a visa? Did you fly here? What happens? Yeah, Too but, late. You're already getting Michinoku driver. Uh, uh, got styled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong, uh, wrong pile driver. Yeah, which is funny because again, I, I, I'm sure we're going to see Moxley do a God style in this match. But you think despite, so. despite all this, John Moxley gleefully signs the signs the contract because he added another stipulation that they didn't bother to read. Oh, so next week on Dynamite, uh, John Moxley will take on the lawyer whose name I can't remember. He's another oh, wrestler, uh, and and Death Rider will be legal in that match. Otherwise, uh, and if he does, if the dude doesn't show up, then uh, MJF forfeits his uh, his title shot. Oh, that's fun! So we know that we're gonna see that guy get Death Ridered. Hell yeah, he is. Which is fine. Let's do it. <laughs> so you know, it, it, it was fun. You know, Mox Moxley outsmarted him, and then he ends the show with uh, maybe I should be a lawyer. Stay classy, AEW, and then just leaves. <laughs> Yep, very fun. Good stuff from, from Mox there. It sounds great. Again, Moxley needs no catchphrase. No, he really doesn't. Yeah, he, he he's that rare breed of of, of professional wrestler that does not he's need like a catchphrase. When, he's like when Lil Wayne's like really going off on a mixtape and has like no hook or chorus to his track, and it's just like four minutes of bars. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Like, huh? watch my shoes. Like, yeah, it's just a real shit. Like, like John Moxley is like the no-ceilings mixtape of wrestling. <laughs> From there, we go to a Santana Ortiz promo, cutting a promo against best friends, and basically say, you know what? The only thing that they wish more than destroying Sue's van was that they wish Sue was in the damn van when they were Oh, no. It. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, Sue Beretta is a saint. They, they, are, they are going buck wild on this, <laughs> and good for them because it is fantastic. I would love this storyline to pay off with their moms showing up and, like, hitting them with a shoe for disrespecting with, other people's moms. With, with Shanklas? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, br- <laughs> bring out the Shanklas. You know that's got to come eventually. They've, they did do that on an episode of, I think it was, like, a, on a, either Being the Elite or, like, one of the preview shows or something. They had, uh, they had Dasha do the Shankla bit to, uh, to them. <laughs> hey, they know. I mean... <laughs> The, remember, I, wasn't it? Uh, it was one of the the Jericho segments where the, they they gave him Shanklas because. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they, they, they were know. To make him honorary Puerto Rican or whatever. They, they know. So, moving on, we have match number three. Uh, this is the most indie rific match I have seen in AEW in quite some time. When you consider the the lineup here, it's an eight man tag match of Joey Janela, Sonny Kiss, Brian Pillman Jr. and my boy, your boy, my son, Griff, my child, Griff my beautiful baby boy, Griff Garrison versus the butcher, the blade, Ray Phoenix, and one of my top three wrestlers in the entire goddamn world, Penta El Cerro Miedo. Um, this was awesome. I, I, I this was the most indie-rific match I, I've seen. In, this is in, one on of the, TV, I, this is one of the matches great. I caught parts of. I saw some of this match. <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of fun watching this match. It looked pretty great. I mean, hey, you know I love the cast of characters in this one, especially with Griff. I'm glad Griff is on Wednesday nights. I knew it wouldn't be long until we'd start seeing him on Wednesday more often, and I expect to see more of him. And the finish also gives credence to the fact that I believe we will see more of him. I think there's a reason that he didn't take the pinfall. Yeah, I mean, well, 
I, you know, I think contracts might have something to do with that too. Well, I mean, I think, I think him, I think the reason there's a reason that he didn't take the pinfall because I don't think they want him to take too many pins on TV yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like his MJF match, he didn't get squashed. He got a lot of work in. Like, it ended up being a very compelling one it of really, MJF's he, most compelling in ring things in the last few months. He, he really did get a lot of offense on MJF. It turned yeah, out. Yeah, that was a really fun match. That was really well done. I thought it was, and, that was a very well executed match overall. Well, one of the best parts about this match had nothing to do with the match. It had everything to do with Eddie Kingston's shirt. Yes. So, so Eddie Kingston the- shows up after Pillman gets pinned, and uh, you know, juicing up his new his new friends, and he's wearing a shirt that says "All lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter." And considering this was in a week in which uh, NBA games were being, uh, in fact, the, the very NBA games why. Uh, this this show was postponed till Thursday. Yeah. Uh, also got postponed for reasons which you know I I fully support and and Absolutely. stand behind. Um, it wasn't just the NBA either. Um, five major league soccer matches also got called, which I'm going to discuss. A few major uh, league baseball teams also walked off. Yep. Uh, which is uh, and the WNBA as well. Um, yes. Which my uh one of one of my uh, politicians in Georgia now, Kelly Leffler, who co-owns the uh, Atlanta Dream, was not happy about, but she can go fuck herself. Uh, I am going to discuss the MLS side of things uh, a bit more uh, later this weekend uh, when uh, I release the the next episode of Busting Balls. So, stay folks, tuned for tune that. in. We go from that to a recap of uh, last week's uh, crushing main event. Uh, Brody Lee absolutely destroying Cody Rhodes. Just beating the fucking brakes off of our boy, the Codester. Uh, this leads right into a Dark Order promo, in which uh, the Dark Order are doing the Ugandan funeral dance meme. So fucking good. Oh, I was dying. That was so funny. <laughs> they came in with a casket on their shoulders and were doing the Ugandan funeral. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, uh, you know what, this is a, it's a very interesting way to present dark order, like having them, like having a little fun and showing a little character that way. But I think it's cool. And this whole thing has kind of an eighties, like it's a very eighties stable. Um, it feels like an eighties stable with a few, you know, modern twists. And I really like it. Um, uh, so from there, evil Uno is on the stick. Uh, talking about six lawnmowers that were purchased <laughs> as well as a, which, a big a, hey, a car were... which hey you know lawnmowers they're they're necessary i guess uh absolutely you, gotta get the, you, gotta, you know when you're when you're the tv champion when you're the tnt champion you got to keep your lawn clean man that's right uh they hold yourself up, to some high standards here they open up the the casket to 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 bury cody Rhodes, and it's actually uh number 10 yeah with a a terrible neck tattoo drawn on him <laughs> Yeah, Which this is, was funny. Oh god, this was this was great. And then they bring out Brody Lee. They bring out yes, Brody Lee. Do. Oh my god, they ref he referenced the debacle in December with the Dark yep. Order. Which again, for the record, Chris and I on the show that it happened, we actually thought that that segment was good, but recognized why it didn't get over. Yeah, and, so, and there was some. Again, and I think you know, if you're playing the long game, if you had some foresight, you you, you could probably feel confident that this thing was going to come together. But it was hard to see for some folks at that time, and totally understandable. I mean, you know, you and I, and you know, you've said, you've talked about before. We've always been pretty in on Dark Order, but um, it's a it's been a slow burn. It, it's been a re- it's been a real slow burn. And I well, l- l- let's get through this segment, and then let, let's let's sum this up. 
um Brody Lee cuts a promo where he says you know the the you know the the time is over Cody Lee's uh Cody Rhodes is done no more indie wrestlers <laughs> love that that was a great oh dig. my god that was that was yep. excellent and he said it's like it's all you indie wrestlers fault that I've been held back uh he washes great stuff. he washes I think who was it Alan Angels who who was it was kissing his ass and then he just beats the shit out of him he, no, that was John Silver. Oh, it was Silver. Okay, you're right. My bad. Yeah, so John Silver's like, he, John Silver grabs the mic and he's like, Mr. Brody, I just want to say that you're the man and you're the best. And he just hits me. He's like, shut up, bitch. Yeah, he just, he just washes him. Uh, he introduces Anna J, formally, finally, uh-huh. formally uh-huh. introduces Anna J. As... Hold on, can I just, I need to I need to cool off for a second. Is, sorry, is it getting warm in here? Can you feel that? Is it warm? You, you go right is it warm ahead. in here? You go right ahead. Hachi Machi. Um, introduces Anna J as number 99. Now, I thought that this was a hilarious reference, but I, 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 I've been told that there's two different interpretations for this. What, what was your interpretation? Okay, well, the interpretation I was fed was that uh, Wayne Gretzky, because Brody Lee yeah, because is a big didn't hockey Didn't fan. she say that she's the great one? I, I read it as being Agent 99 from Get Smart, you know, Barbara Feldman. Oh, maybe that is. But yeah, because I, I thought him, I heard him say that she's the great one. So she's number 99. Yes, I, I had to get in one esoteric reference to something in, in every episode. Get smart, that's, that's good, too. But get, no, I'm, get smart here's at this the thing, point like, is pretty esoteric. Like the, the gear, the out, the new outfit she's got. Oh, oof, my, oh, anyways, um, she looks great. Uh, she, she really is nailing the attitude for this character, uh, for somebody we've talked about Hannah J's level of experience versus, uh, uh, how well she's done so far and just continues to really be remarkable. Uh, they got themselves a very special talent. It looks like in Hannah J. They, they did. And, uh, but in the midst of all this, Dustin Rhodes and Scorpio sky come on the attack. So, uh, this, sure- a, this is a fun thing to do, uh, bringing Scorp in to kind of keep Cody away from them for a little while and get some rub to score. I like this. So uh, at least one of them will be facing Brody Lee at All Out. I'm I'm pretty sure. My guess is it's Scorpio. That would be my assumption. That would at be this my point. guess too. We'll find we'll find out on Wednesday. I'm sure. But this will not be the last time we talk about the Dark Order on this show. But I just want to no say I just well there's I, one more I, thing. I one more thing happened in this segment that's very very important. The aforementioned Anna J uh, decided to walk out of the ring and head over to in the front row. Well, Tay Conti. Now wait a minute though that we didn't they didn't show that until later in the show so that's why I said oh was that is that right that was before the main event so let's 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 oh, let's, let's uh let's let's table that for that. now yeah put a pin in put that. a pin in that but we talk about they have completely one hundred percent turned the dark order thing around from that yes they have like, yeah, this is absolutely. like some of the this is like some of the best stuff on this show now. A hundred percent. I completely and, agree. And I was totally into them when they were first doing the 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 cult recruitment ads. I thought those were brilliant. Yes, but see that this is a really nice development of that angle. They have done their recruiting now, and they have their strong core. So now it's time to kind of crank up the heat a little bit. Yeah. And uh, they, I mean, this was Brody's most intense promo by far, and he absolutely crushed it. It's a five star promo. Now, mind, uh, just now mind incredible you. intensity. Well-spoken, just great stuff. Now, mind you, uh, Colt Cabana has been kind of silent the last couple of weeks, it seems. Yes, but... but Colt was out there. He was wearing, and I like this touch. 
he was wearing the Dark Order t-shirt, but with an AEW blazer over it. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he totally was. Um, Which was a very, uh, that, I thought that was a nice wrinkle for that character. That was. No, I, I think it, it totally was. Now, I do notice that uh, Brody's beard is getting a little, was a little uh, Luke Harper shaggy uh, in this segment. But, uh, yeah, you know. It's a pandemic. You can't get barbers all the time and stuff. I get it. I've been cutting my own hair for fucking six months. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been able to go to, a, I, I, I've been able to get two trims uh, recently. But I know in Cook County right now, I can't get my beard trimmed again. So, uh, I do have to, uh, yeah, I'm, you have to, you know, take, take the, uh, take the L on that one for now. So, <laughs> but anyway, no, this was a, this is a great, this is some good business. I, I, I thought this, this was good business and also good business was this next segment where we cut to the bar at Daly's place and the young bucks are so furious with Adam Page. They yeah, say, so Adam they, Page he, is having himself a, he's having himself a cold, a cold glass of whiskey. A nice little, nice little whiskey on the rocks, and he's approached by his friends? Question mark. Right. <laughs> and, and and oh boy, they kick him out of the elite. Oh no! Now, oh not that. Now, not that. Now, no. Now, this is when we remind everybody that Adam Page tried to leave the elite earlier in 2020, and they would not let him. Yeah, so like the, the fucking young bucks are such dorks, and I and like they, I mean it works for the like what this the storyline is right now because they're just so annoying. Like, they're, they're, they're like they're those like just... annoying straight edge Christian friends that you had that like can never like if they're out somewhere they can never just go with it and just have a regular time. They always have to be like doing their fucking thing that they do, but they always got to be talking to you about Christianity or about friendship or about their little group. Or about this, and everything's got to be like some big dramatic fucking production. They can't just sit at the bar and just have a fucking cocktail and just figure it out. Nope, it's got to be some whole thing. Adam Pays just wants to fucking chill and have his drink, but no. He's got these two guys like, oh, well, you don't respect Jesus enough, and you're just a drunk, and blah, 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 blah. Shut the fuck up. I, I, I think the box of the... We, we have long established on this show that in our, in our interpretation of AEW continuity... <laughs> The Bucks are the ones who drove Adam Page to this state. <laughs> yeah, so this is, yeah, we talked about this uh, before the podcast. Like, the Young Bucks turned Adam Page to alcohol. It's their fault. He was chilling. He was having being a regular guy. And then all this stress happened with the stupid elite and all the Young Bucks shit. And he was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to have myself a cold, couple of cold brewskis. And that turns to whiskey. And uh, that turns to cocaine and prostitution. Uh, which is not verified. I just made that up in my head, Cannon. Just, I'm just hoping that you know. Just, I'm just thinking about sex worker Adam Page. Look at that outfit. He's a hunk. He's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> but I mean, again, Adam Page is is, is innocent. He is the victim in all this because the yes. Bucks, the Bucks drove him to this. Yes, they have. They they refused to listen to him when he said, "I want out." I, I don't want to do this elite thing anymore. Also true. It, it, it's all true. It's all verifiable. Yeah. And, so this, this brings to like to the point and, and we that made was, and that earlier. Was, and that was even in the run up to the match in Revolution. You know, yeah. He even said, "I tried to leave and you wouldn't let me." He and this is this ties into something we talked about before on a being the elite episode. He uh, like bumped into uh, to Brody Lee and told him that he tried to apply for Dark Order. At yeah, one, I remember one point that that, that was... nobody returned his call. Yeah, that was yeah. I do recall you um, you mentioning which that. was uh, that was a, that was a very good that, and that happened around the time of all the elite drama stuff. So it's like shows that he was like looking for a way out. You yeah, know what I mean? He, he was totally looking uh, for a way out. He got he, that's cool. He, that's, so that brings us to something we talked about earlier 
with Tully Blanchard and FTR. So here's the, follow along with me here. Put your tinfoil hats on. Uh, if you want to redeem Sean Spears, you got FTR. You got Tully Blanchard. Uh, now you may be able to see an opening for Adam Page to come hang out with you because he's not in the elite. He's going to need some friends. So what if we put together a horseman type thing with FTR and Page and Spears with Tully Blanchard backing him? I mean, it's You don't possible? have to call him the horseman, but you can call him something adjacent. You know, the, the cowboys, the rodeo men, the fucking equestrian right i don't know something. has anybody actually ever used cowboy the cowboys from hell as a stable name uh i don't know i don't know how many pantera members are still alive um oh geez <laughs> uh anyway uh but the the point is the point, i mean they, they could do something like that you know it doesn't have yeah, to they be got, you, they, but yeah, i mean what a way to redeem sean spears by having him roll with those guys who everyone likes and he can be a good like i could see him as like a quiet enforcer for a group like that he won't have to talk much he can just be big and strong and just yeah please go up once in a while (laughs) you can just have him come in and like but then you have the chair angle right so if you ever like needs like some real muscle he can just come in and blast somebody with a chair every now and again or or there's some stuff you can do with that or or maybe that loaded glove thing can actually you know amount to something finally oh the loaded gloves there it's not just for jacking off folks I mean, look at all. I mean, think about it. You, if you're jacking off with that weighted glove, man, you're getting some great forearm strength built. I'll tell you and what. It's like a, it's like the, it's like the baseball big. You know, you put those like weight rings on your bat when you're taking BP. Right. So like when you take that weight off, you could just crank it so furiously. <laughs> I'm just saying. Imagine the speed you could get. I'm just. I, I respect. Okay, you. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, we have our fourth match of the evening, a handicap match, uh, Big Swole versus Penelope Ford and Rebel. Um, Britt Baker or Reba. Or, or Reba, whichever. I, this was a quick comedy match. Uh, the thing that surprised yep. me the most is that Swole actually got the pin on Penelope. Yes. That, yeah, was, that was interesting. The, that was the interesting part of this. Yeah, uh, but, you know, she disposed of, of Rebel Reba pretty quickly, so... Uh, just get to Penelope and just yeah whatever you know, it's, it was a way to get to the next thing. But now with, with of this. course th- this does mean that uh, you know assuming Britt will actually be able to wrestle at all out uh, that we will. Which get... I well, I do I get I do gotta appreciate um, as a as a Detroit guy the Britt Hamilton look. Uh, she looked like she was ready to do a, a nice <laughs> off the ball curl and hit a jump shot from the from the high elbow. But she's still wearing the Jordan jersey. True, but hey, Rip did play for the Bulls for a bit. That's true. He did. Rip did have a stint. I, I, I remember that. So. Yeah, yeah. Rip Hamilton, one of the best off the ball players ever, not named Ray Allen. But since we're not done with the women's portion of the program, uh, now we have your the segment you wanted to talk about, in which Anna J. Yes. Walks yes. over yes. with with yes. with I think who was was it Evil Uno or no it was or was uh, it Brody. Uh, I think it was with Uno or one of the other Dark Order guys, and I can't um, remember which one. I was so excited about the other part of it. Handing, yeah, right. It, it becomes the, yeah, it's like the, the superfluous background detail for this one. And, you know, this is something we talked about uh, after their first match, you know, uh, and their great showing in the in the tournament, that if this is a way to get Tay Conti into Dark Order, I'm all for it. We, well, we've mentioned this on the podcast before. Well, guess what? Tay Conti. We, it looks order. like we get, we're getting our wish as of now. Um, again, I'm just going to say once again, uh, 
The Dark Order seems to be the most progressive uh, stable in all of AEW, as in I, and also one of the most inspired as far as casting and putting together. These are guys and 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 gals that are not big names, but that are insanely talented people. Like John Silver, we talked about John Silver a ton. Oh yeah, the Beaver we've talked boys about, are great. Yeah. We've talked about Alan Angels. We've talked about Preston Vance. We've talked about the people that are in Dark Order. They have some tremendous. And Stu Grayson, I think, is is fucking fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he, yeah, Uno and Grayson as you know, Super Smash Bros. We know them, you know. Oh yeah, and I, yeah, I think those guys. I think Grayson and Silver especially are like uh, big time talents. I think they're like incredible wrestlers. I really do. And Tay Conti, I think, is a special talent as well. And between her and Anna Jay, not only do they get you know get women in their stable, they have women that I think can be both big stars in AEW. So this is this is great stuff. So yeah, so the other units in in AEW, they need they got some catching up to do here. They do, but you know what? That's that's one of the uh, compelling things about, you know, one of the things that Vince McMahon was right about for a while is that factions in on television wrestling are absolute money. This is something that they did in the 90s a lot that worked. I mean, it was a big part of the attitude era and its success. Faction wars always work in pro wrestling, especially on TV. Uh, I I agree. I mean, I, I appreciate when in New Japan we do have clear faction wars going on. You know, it's yes, uh, yeah, it's a big, big staple of Japanese wrestling, especially in NJPW. Oh yeah, well, and others too. I mean, you, I mean, well, th- I mean, through the years, you know, the yeah, you know, many promotions of, but I mean, yeah, yeah it's, but it's something we, that always works. Having a dominant or a uh, uh, appearing to be dominant faction like the Dark Order for other people to try and catch up to makes it compelling because now you want to know. Now that the elite's down another guy, uh, Cody's hurt, Paige is out, the Young Bucks are seemingly on their own now, right? It's yeah, the Bucks and Kenny. Kenny, do they have to find somebody? Yeah, Ken, do they Kenny, need to recruit more? Kenny may be doing a heel turn. Uh, actually, the Bucks right? may be now one, you have doing the, one too. You have, this Eddie, you have this Eddie Kingston, Lucha Brothers, uh, Butcher and Blade. Uh, collaboration here that's looking like it's going to be something. Yeah. There's a lot of really good stuff here to look forward to on the horizon. And also a great way to set up, you know, big time pay-per-views and stuff, having big, you know, factions fight squaring off. Like I mean, the blood and guts thing that we're supposed to do, you know? Yeah, they never did do the blood and guts thing and they they, quiet, they uh-huh. quietly kind of went past it that that they uh that the 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 the, yeah. the Hopefully the stadium, we'll get the stadium. that revisited when uh when when people are more comfortable with that kind of wrestling on TV. Yeah. Which right now I understand why they don't want to put that out there. Well, no, I think it was more to do with the fact that I don't think they can configure Daly's place to support that match. Understandable too. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that eventually they revisit that or at least something like it, and I'm sure they will. It's something we're probably going to see next year, if I were guessing. Yeah, I, I think that that had more to do with it than that, because they were talking like they thought they might be able to do it at one point, but they didn't. I, I, I just, I really don't think that they can they can configure Daly's place to support, you know, a two, you know, a two ring plus a cage setup like a war games match. Yeah. So I mean they could I mean they could use the football field and that worked great on the stadium stampede match. So they could something to think about. Though. I mean and I know Tony Khan, you know, because Tony Khan has spoken about um, him watching Warrior Wrestling and it inspiring him to bring back crowds. So he knows wrestling on a football field can work. Our main event of the evening, uh Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in a tables match. Um not much to say about this except this was just blood and mayhem. Yeah, it was an intense. I mean, that's it's what this match was supposed to be uh, to get Sammy Guevara over. Matt Hardy doing what exactly what he came to AEW to do. So I, I definitely respect it. It was uh, it was a car wreck. It had some good Sam, spots. Sammy's Sammy's you know a bust open point that looked 
fucking gnarly. Oh yeah, that was gnarly. yeah. And the finish was the finish was interesting and unexpected. It wasn't a way I would expect them to do it. Um, Matt Hardy seemingly you know sets up his table. He's ready to do a superplex, and uh, he's thrown off. His equilibrium isn't quite right uh, from all the knocks on the head. So he loses his balance and his footing, giving Sammy just enough time to get up and reverse it. Yeah, and uh, from what I understand, I saw a thing that said that they actually had to cut time. They had to cut that match for time for something. That makes sense because it started at what like uh, like around with like about eight minutes to go on TV, I think. Yeah, but I mean, th- this sort of match shouldn't shouldn't be the type that goes. No, it doesn't. I mean, here's the thing: you don't want Matt Hardy out there for 20, 30 minutes. You just no, don't want to do don't. that to him. You, 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 you want? Know. I mean, Matt Hardy for for eight to twelve minutes. Matt Hardy will give you magic. Anything longer, you're putting him at risk, and you just shouldn't do it. You know, he's, the guy's been around too long, man. Don't, don't, don't do him like that. So I'm okay with Matt Hardy having shorter matches. But with that, uh, Sammy Guevara wins the match, and then Orange Cassie just kind of runs across the screen and uh, starts beating the shit out of Chris Jericho at the commentary table. <laughs> hey, he's mad. He's a mad guy. And Orange uh, Mad City. So that was uh, that was some fun stuff. Now I have heard uh, some other folk uh, call the the this uh, mimosa mayhem match, saying that this is going to be utter shite. Which mm. I disagree. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Here's the thing: Chris Jericho, Orange Cassidy, both the exact right kind of guys for this kind of match. I mean, and yeah, I'm yeah. very confident in the way that they're going to book it. I'm confident in them creatively to make a match that's very entertaining. I mean, it, it was, I mean, yeah, it, it's Chris Jericho, it's Orange Cassidy. It's going to be, yeah, sometimes you're going to do some ridiculous shit. <laughs> Man, wrestling, suppo- here's the thing. If you don't like ridiculous shit, I'm not sure why you're watching professional wrestling. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. Wrestling, I, look, pro wrestling is the most ridiculous shit. Fucking, it's one of the most insane art forms possible, and that's why I love it. It's why a lot of people love it. And if you're here for, like, something serious... I don't really know what got you into this shit in the first place. I mean, Wrestling's it, not serious. I mean, even today's New Japan show had ridiculous shit going on. <laughs> you know? I mean, I if mean... you can't if you can't have fun in a thing where it's men in tights doing fake fighting, where can you have fun? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, on the face, it sounds fucking ridiculous. But you know what? Uh, right. it, it, it I'm fine with fun. that. But you know what? Yeah. On its face, the stadium stampede match sounded fucking ridiculous, and it ended and it, up being. Now, it, and you know what? It was it, a mixture it, of both, right? Yeah, it was both ridiculous and awesome. Yeah, I mean, it. it I mean, they had. I mean, anything that allowed Chris Jericho to, to put on, a, a, you know, a uh, a pylon onto his head and yeah. start cackling Adam like a Page witch on a know? fucking horse, just galloping after Sammy Guevara. Right. And I the mean, golf cart and just all of it was so much fun. Well, you know, I, I said at the time, you know, when when that match happened is, I, you know, we, I think we, we collectively needed that match because we needed to laugh yes. at pro wrestling during a yes, week we in which, you know, wrestling had been through an emotional meat grinder because that was the week of... Uh, yeah. The deaths of not only Shad Gaspard and uh, and Hana Kimura, but also mm-hmm. that was also the week of that uh, that Dark Side of the Ring episode about Owen yeah. Hart. So and there was also that was yeah there and there was uh yeah there's just a lot going on in the world. Yeah, and, I mean, well, I mean, uh, just that, I think that I think it was escapism partic- that we needed. I, yeah, I, I mean, agree. just that week particularly was an emotional meat grinder uh, of a, of a week, and I think to to cap it off with that match being able to actually you know have some fun again with it. I mean, it, we, we kind of needed to do that to, to, to let go a little bit. I'm but, with you, but um, I don't know if we're going to be in the same situation with this one. I mean, I, I think it's going to be more fun than I think people are giving it 
credit for. I, I'm I'm optimistic about it as well. I'm in the same camp. But uh, so yeah, with that, uh, we end episode 44 of AEW Dynamite. Um, do we really need to do pros and cons this week? Um, pros are the good stuff that I saw, and cons are the bad stuff that I didn't see. Okay, awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say Chris Jericho on commentary again is is He's a good a, commentator. Is excellent. He is a great commentator. He puts yeah. people over, it, it, even though. It, Half the time he 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 tags it with I fucking hate that guy, but you know right. But that's like his philosophy. He talks about that regularly, like that people forget to put like their rivals over in addition to shit talking them, and how important that is. And he always makes sure to do that. Well, no, and we've talked about that in this show too. That's like the leg. I mean, th- that style of promo where you just run down your opponent and never give him any credit and never build them up. That's like the legacy of Dwayne Johnson in pro wrestling. Yeah, true. True. You know, that, there really is the legacy of the rock and of, of that character. And I think it ruined promos for, well, you know, 20 years or so. I don't even know if it necessarily ruined promos. I think it probably ruined some people's perceptions and probably, I think it probably hurt individuals that tried to ape it more than it did wrestling as a whole. Eh, well, we, we can have that discussion another time, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's an interesting discussion to have, but yeah, I think people hurt themselves more individually than like we were hurt by it or like the, the, the industry as a whole, because uh, people trying to be like the rock never really got over because people like it was easy to see through. Cause there's only like, despite that, that part of Dwayne Johnson's thing, there's only one Dwayne Johnson. There's only one, the rock, and he really is a captivating, entertaining guy. There's no and, and, and that's true. I mean, it's the same thing when, you know, when, you know, during, you know, the, the beginning of the MJF Moxley feud, when MJF was, was basically trying to say that, you know, you know, uh, Moxley is imitating, you know, Steve Austin. Well, he's not really though. You know, he, he no, but really I think isn't. that's a that's a popular that, that is kind of a meme, though, right? Like, there's a lot of people that do think that. I mean, and he was you, playing off of that kind of perception. Can, I mean, you can make a comparison, it, it, you can make a general comparison in their characters, but yeah, it, I personally, I'm with you, I've never really agreed with it. I mean, you, you can see similarities, but I also see a lot of differences, too, you know? Oh, for sure. I think the biggest similarity is that he is an intense, ass kicky kind of tweener that just people want to love and cheer for no matter what kind of shit he's up to. Like no matter how despicable it gets, people just think it's cool. I think that's the biggest comparison you can make personality wise, promo style wise. They're nothing alike. They don't even wrestle alike. They don't do anything alike as far as mannerisms or actions or the, or speaking or cadence or nothing. Right. right. They do. They have completely different accents. They speak differently. The content of their promos is all different. The biggest thing is crowd reactions and reception is similar in at, at its end. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think that that wraps this up. Um, the next episode of Dynamite is on the, its regular night of Wednesday, and it will be. Look the, at that. We love to return to normal, don't we, folks? And it, it is the go home for for all out. So. Uh, and it's also the go home for me because I will be in my new home. Well, there you go. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. Well, you can try to follow me on twitter <laughs> at thick flare ttv i might still be suspended when you try i might not hey go give it a shot twitch.tv slash thick flare you can still follow that and my stream is returning as soon as next week uh if i can get everything set up in a timely fashion there's still a lot i have to do obviously but the stream is coming back it's coming back strong we're going to do all kinds of fun stuff i'm going to invite you on to watch wrestling with me we're going to have all kinds of good good shit going on. So uh, make sure to watch out for that. 
Also, just not nothing to do with wrestling or anything. Um, I finally saw Luke Besson's movie Anna today, and uh, it fucking rocks. If you like little action movies or Luke Besson films, so just check that out. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel. Um, as far as podcasting goes, uh, Busting Balls coming uh, probably tomorrow after I, you know, as I post this, uh, we're going to be recording that, especially in the light of Arsenal winning another trophy in the month of August. So, you know, that's uh, that's always a, a fun thing. Um as far as other things, uh, I want to plug a comics project I'm actually a part of uh, in, in uh-huh. my real life uh, called Tales from the Quarantine. Um, it's already met its funding goal on Kickstarter, but you know what? Uh, fuck it. Smash that thing and uh, go take a look at that. Uh, yeah. Go, search, search Tales from the Quarantine on Kickstarter. Because I, I don't have the link in front of me, and I don't think it's a straightforward link. So um, you, just, you all have computers. You have cell phones. You know what you're doing. Just go do it. So, uh, okay. Well, Paul, good luck. Uh, good luck with your move and, um, hope to see you, uh, next Wednesday. You certainly will. And you listeners certainly will. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye.